What is up, people? Jean Carlos here with the Total Body Training Podcast, where I help people get lean, gain muscle, and build confidence. And today we have two special guests. Ladies, you want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? My name is Lisa Holloway. And I'm Sean Russell. And the reason I'm having these two awesome ladies on the show today is because we're going to be talking a little bit about weight loss surgery and their own personal experience with weight loss surgery, the weight that they've lost, why they chose to do that, maybe some of the trials that people should consider or some of the things that could come up uh, when you have weight loss surgery and how it's affected their lives. But before we get started, I just want to say that today's episode is brought to you by Coffee. I love coffee, so that's why today's episode is brought to you by coffee. Ladies, how do you like to have your coffee? Tell me what you like in your coffee. You know, If you're not a coffee person, maybe you're a tea person, you can tell me that. Go. Lisa. Um, I just like regular coffee. The mic. Yeah. I, um, I just like regular coffee with cream and sugar. Okay. Basic. Okay. Um, I guess hazelnut creamer and lots of sweet and low. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, nice and simple. Okay. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yo, you'll just pass it back and forth. We only have two mics here. We're not, this isn't Oprah. <laughs> we don't have like clip on mics, anything fancy. It's just two mics and uh, three people. So we're making it work. Okay. <laughs> we're on a budget, y'all. All right. So, uh, ladies, so we're going to go ahead and get started. And, you know, I'm just going to kind of ask you to, you know, uh, starting with you first, which surgery did you have? You know, so we can get that out of the way. Go ahead. I had the gastric sleeve. Okay. And I had the um, also had the gastric sleeve as well. Okay. All right. And you know, my first question is, what? How much weight have you lost so far doing that? Um, sixty-five pounds. So you've lost sixty-five pounds so far. Yes. Right. And for yourself? I've lost one hundred and five pounds. I guess like my next question is is like how has that impacted your life you know how has it changed your the way that you feel about yourself and the way that people look at you um i know that sometimes i still see myself at the same weight i'm i get shocked by how i look or attention or people saying things you know you look so great, and you know, and it's like, I, I sometimes I feel like I look the same, and I'll look in the mirror, and I'm like, Ugh. but then I'll change my clothes, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm wearing a medium T-shirt where a year ago I was in a two and three X, and I mean my my jeans are now you know single digits, and whereas a year ago I was wearing an eighteen twenty, so it, I can see it, but sometimes I don't think it. That's the biggest change for me about how I feel. Yeah, yeah, and I can see how that would be the case. You know, how long did it take you to lose that weight? How long ago was this surgery? I had my surgery actually a year ago, um, the end of March. It was like March. Oh no, about the beginning of March, I guess. So it was almost exactly a year ago. I had a lot of issues at the beginning too because when I started, I was very strict. I was eating five to six hundred calories a day. I was not eating any carbs, and I ended up in the hospital within the first two months with, um, I was malnourished and in ketoacidosis. So I was really sick and in the ICU for quite a few days. And that happened for quite a few months until 
my PCP told me, no, you, you need to come off the ketogenic, you need to eat some carbs and quit being so restrictive and eat more calories. And that was when they told me how many calories to eat, I was laughing at them because for the last you know 20 years, I'm told you need to stay at 1,200 to 1,500 calories. And they're like, no, you need to eat 2,000 calories a day. I was like, that's not happening. <laughs> I still have a hard time with that. So. So with the sleeve, you're eating 2,000 calories a day? No, I don't. I'm I'm may I'm at about 1,200 maybe, but some days I may eat eight. Uh, it just depends. So if I eat my 1,200 days are when I'm going, you know, keto, high fat, high protein. You know, that's when I have my higher calories. But on my days that I'm kind of like, okay, I'm gonna have a breakfast taco. I might have the breakfast taco in the morning or quesadilla or something, and you know, so I will have less calories because I know inside my mind that I ate too many carbs this morning. So that's how I try and balance it out. So yeah, I want to I want to kind of come back to that in just a second. Mm-hmm. Something something you said about that, Lisa. You were saying you know you know back to the original question because that's definitely something. No 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 no. By all means, like yeah, this is just conversational. Like mm-hmm. we're just friends hanging out and talking. So there's no there's no sorry's. Like yeah, uh, this isn't Oprah <laughs> yeah, or Doctor Oz or something. Uh, yeah, I, I wish it was Oprah or Doctor Oz. Uh, I wish I had that money. All right, so but I don't. <laughs> I'm a modest person. Okay, all right. So Lisa, you said you've lost about uh how many pounds 105 and what what has that done for you like losing um, that weight to me it's made just simple movement better um i had issues like i could barely tie my own shoes i had to pre-tie them and then slide my feet in my shoes because i couldn't physically bend down to tie my shoes mm-hmm. um going upstairs out of breath like i ran a marathon um just different just Simple everyday things, sweeping the floor. I can sweep the floor now without um, losing breath. Just um, I'm able to do things that I haven't been able to do. Like the other the other week, I did a sit up, and I was so proud. I'm like, I haven't done sit ups in years, but uh, it has bettered my life since this um, since I've had surgery, and it's a lot better. I have a lot more confidence in myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, losing any amount of weight will definitely help with that. And losing as much weight as you both have would definitely lead like a boost in confidence and like hearing that from other people. I, you know, I've even heard that when people lose that much weight, it almost, it almost shocks them how much more uh, people uh, pay attention to them or talk to them. Has that been your experience? Do you feel like you've been treated differently, you know, having lost weight, Lisa? Um, well, Yes and no. Okay. I have a really good circle of people in my life yeah. that have always been supportive of me, whether I was 315 pounds or 210. It's just they've always been supportive of me. But it's like the people on the street like, oh, wow, you look very nice in that dress. You know, I'm like, oh, well, thank you. And I'm like, okay. You know, it's kind of shocking sometimes, you know. Yeah. And what about for yourself? Um, my big one, my husband, like when he, at the beginning of the surgery, he's always been supportive of it. And then when it was a couple of weeks ago, about maybe two months ago, I had mentioned that I just don't feel I, like I looked that much different or, you know, not. And he sent me a picture of me from the summer before and I looked at it and I almost cried and I showed everybody at work. I was like, oh my God, look at that, this was me. And and so that was a big deal to me. And 
it made me laugh too when my son gave me a hug mom i can wrap my arms around you and mm -hmm. i was like okay that made me cry a little bit so it's those things um being told by uh people that you don't know also i was at a conference and i was and this woman told me that I looked, you know, very nice. That I, I you know, and I had before I dressed very frumpy. I would wear, you know, baggy skirts and baggy shirts over it. And I was wearing um, black leggings with a long shirt. And it was just, it was nice for, you know, she was telling me these things. And I was like, well, okay. And, and of course, I'm like, I don't know what to say about that, but thanks. Yeah. 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 Something I've heard is that when people do, you know, and I've I've had more to love in my life. Like I've been overweight, but I've never been obese, right? And so, you know, that's the whole different level of like the way that people treat you and, and things like that. Sometimes people aren't, from what I understand, for somebody who's obese, sometimes people just aren't as nice to you, right? Yeah. They're not as friendly. They don't give you as many compliments, things like that. So it can be a little bit shocking, from what I understand, for people to receive those kinds of compliments if they've never really had them in their life, you know. Uh, at least from what I've heard, would you say that's been the case for you? A little surprising to have that? Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because um, before, I didn't realize how many times people would say, hey, oh, that makes you look so much thinner. When what they're saying was, you don't look as fat in that outfit as you did before. Yeah. And you, you start looking at the way people give you give you compliments or whatever and and you look back on it. It's kind of like that the lady that comes in, oh, your makeup looks great today. It's like, well, I look like crap every other day so you start looking at it from a different perspective now yeah. now i look at it as you know people were being nice or um but you still would get the looks when you and you know go back up to the buffet the chinese buffet for the second time people oh, were like yeah you sure can eat a lot i was like really it's in in little comments that people would say that i guess they never like are you sure you should eat that well Probably not, but it's good, you know, and it didn't matter then. Yeah. So. yeah. What, about you, when what about I, for you? Um, yeah, certain, I mean, jobs that I've had, you know, um, I worked in a factory, and, you know, I was big. I I had to walk almost a, a mile to my line just to put pampers in a box, and they were like, she's not going to make it, you know, like, you know, maybe you need to work on a line farther down or maybe you should choose another job and I'm like okay I need to work so but um yeah uh, people do treat you a little bit different once you lose the weight um I'm not sure why people do that I don't think they really know they're doing it sometimes yeah. I don't think they realize it but um the same token like um if you go to an amusement park and certain rides you can't get on um because the strap didn't fit you or you know you mm. want to get on something people looking at you like she shouldn't be on that ride and when I had the surgery and I lost the weight and I went to Florida I made sure I went on that ride and I almost cried when I got on it because I could fasten the belt around me and all the ladies in my women's group were clapping and everybody's looking at us like why are they clapping because they knew where I came from where I couldn't fit in that seat so yeah, just um, transitioning from being overweight into you starting to lose weight. Sometimes you can't really, you know, accept it a little bit. You'd be like, wow, 
I don't feel different, but I know that I am different just in weight-wise. Yeah, yeah, I understand. You know, I hadn't even thought about the potential for, like, just not fitting in certain places. You know, like, going on flights. Yeah, you I know. buy two seats. <laughs> you did? You did? You had to well, buy two I didn't. Um, a friend of mine, she, she was, you know, she's more, well, she was bigger than I was, and she had to buy two seats. Yeah. So you have to pay twice as much, right? And it, it's not—it's not just that. It's um, because it was the summer before I had my surgery. I had flown out to Ohio with my my son and my husband, and um, my son is—you know—he's thin, and my husband is thinner also. And and I'm sitting there, you know, 235 pounds, filling up the middle seat, and it's like. Oh, I have to get up, you know, to go to the bathroom or whatever. And then when I walked down the aisle, I'm like rubbing against the seats. In October, I went to um, Alabama, and I sat down in the seat. When I put the seatbelt on the first time, it was like as big as it could get. When we went to Ohio, when I went to Alabama, I actually had to tug it snug, and it was like I'm sitting in an air. And that was only about forty pounds down, and I was still like this. That can't be real. Maybe they gave me an extension seatbelt or so. You know, it was like the, the, those types of things. And it, even getting into the stalls, where before I would go in the bathroom, I would go find the the larger stall because mm-hmm. it was like more room. You know, you never knew if you got into the regular size one where you're gonna have room to turn around and all of that. So now it's like you know I don't really have to do that anymore I mean it's kind of kind of weird but yeah, it, yeah these are things that people don't think about yeah, even at, I mean restaurants sitting at restaurants before it was like uncomfortable and you're embarrassed because your stomach is like touching the 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 table, the table and it's like hanging or right or and in now I can now I've had to actually move tables closer because, you know, I have dino arms and I can't reach. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's those things that you don't think about that when you sit down after, you know, months and you're like, wait a minute, I can walk into a store and go into the changing rooms and, you know, I don't feel bad when I go shopping anymore, whereas before I would get depressed when I would go shopping because I could never find anything or when I look at the size it was like I can't believe I'm in a 2x now mm-hmm. and then and the clothes are more expensive too the bigger size clothes if you get into I mean well they label 14 as being you know a bigger woman's clothes but uh, from 14 up I mean it's more expensive because I guess because they have to make more fabric for that shirt or whatever and then you know your smaller friends, they can find a shirt for five dollars, where you have to pay twenty-five if you want that same shirt. Yes. So, yeah. So where do you go when when you have to buy clothing and, and you've got you're, you're in the obese category? Where do you have? Because that's different. I mean, you know, can you get clothing at like like Lane Bryant? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, clothes. Yeah. I, um, Walmart has uh, plus size clothes. Okay. Um, Lane Bryant, Torrid. Um, me, I, I like to thrift shop, so. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, I like thrifting, so. It, and that's one of the things, too, that I didn't think about was the clothes when I started. And then when my pants started falling off at work, I don't know if you remember, but they're like, you need a belt. I was like, I don't wear belts. I've, I've always been too big to wear belts, and they're uncomfortable. And 
I, for a while, I think it was about three months, I had to keep going buy new pants because my pants kept falling off. Oh. And then I'm walking around work, you know, holding my pants up, teaching in front of a class, holding my, you know, jacking my pants up all the time. It's not something you think about. And a friend of mine keeps telling me, just buy maternity pants. Quit messing around. And it's like, those, those are the things you have to think about, too, is that do you really want to, I mean, I spent about $20 for a pair of jeans because I just buy cheap jeans because I know I'm going to outgrow, you know, I'm going to be too, you know, lose too much weight and mm-hmm. I'm going to lose more weight and lose more weight and that's what keeps happening. You know, it's definitely something that, that people who aren't overweight, right? Some people who are thinner and then even people who just have a little bit more to love, right? So Mm -hmm. people who will be like, you know, like they'll call themselves fat, don't understand is that you could potentially not fit in when you go to sit down and eat at the restaurant Mm -hmm. that you might have to ask for two chairs. You know, I mean, I've had people, I I worked in the restaurant industry before I was in, uh, you know, fitness and things like that. And I remember having people kind of call and be like, do you have two chairs that I can sit on? You know, and it's, that's hard, you know, uh, it's hard to like admit that or ask for that. It's, it's, you know, I can imagine that it's almost embarrassing like to get yeah. to the, the place where, you know, you can't ride the ride because you don't fit in the chair comfortably. And like, it must feel victorious almost to be able to, to yeah. do that now. Right. It was, I was literally, I wasn't crying. I was about to cry and then it started raining. I'm like, run it. <laughs> I don't care. I came all the way from Texas to get into this ride. I'm gonna ride it. Oh, you went there just for that? Yeah, um, we went Six Flags or something, or um, uh, Disneyland, or it was this place called um, Fun Spot USA in Kissimmee, Florida. Okay, yeah. And um, it's kind of like a carnival type place, but it's really fun. Um, It's outside of yeah, yeah, in Kissimmee, and I went there with my ladies' group. We go on a, a trip every year for a week, and so we chose that place. And I went there, and I was like, I'm getting on that ride, and I did. And like I said, they were clapping. I was like this, yay, I could get on this ride. And it was, I realized what I had accomplished. So it was amazing. Awesome. Ladies, I, you know, now that we're talking a little bit about, you know, the success and the freedom that you're kind of starting to experience and the positive feelings you're having from losing that weight, I think what we'd like to know is what were you doing leading up to having your surgery? What was going on with you? You know, had you tried other methods to lose weight? Um, I did. I've tried numerous things. I've tried, um, first I tried Fentermine. Um, it's a diet pill. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a prescription from your doctor. And I took that, but it caused issues with my heart where it was um, racing. And I couldn't stay on it anymore. Uh, I did lose weight, but... There is a side effect to it with heart issues, and I didn't want to damage my heart trying to lose weight. I tried Herbalife, USANA, Weight Watchers, fasting, the water diet, um, the military diet. Um, I've tried going to a nutritionist. I've done a bunch of things, and this was the only thing that really worked. This was a last resort for me. Yeah, and so, like, you know, we had previously talked a little bit. Mm-hmm. Why do you feel that those diets didn't work for you? Um, there are numerous reasons why. Um, one, I don't think I was in the right headspace to lose weight. Um, like I, I, I talked to you about before, um, I, I was an emotional eater, and 
any issue in my life, whether I was happy, celebrating, if I was sad, depressed, I ate. And and then there were other attributes in my life that contributed to it as well, like um, going through a divorce or going through a rough marriage or, you know, your mother being sick. My mom was sick for a long time. And me dealing with that, I just ate my problems away. I guess you can say that. Just mm-hmm. try to cope with it with food. And and then I didn't have a really good support system at the beginning of me trying to lose weight. So that kind of contributed to that as well. So, you know, would you, would you say, and we didn't talk about this beforehand, but did you have like binge eating episodes? Yeah, I would okay. starve myself throughout the day. And then at night I would like go for it. I would get anything. Um, I used to, my mom, she, she was a big person before. Mm-hmm. And, um, I started seeing the things that she used to do that I was doing. I would restaurant hop. Mm-hmm. I would go get tacos from Taco Bell, then go to McDonald's, get fries, then go to Wendy's to get a burger, and then eat all that stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I um, I did that. Like, I would try to, like, count my calories, and then I'm like, okay, it's cheat day. And then I'm <laughs> going for it. Like, we're going to the buffet. Uh, I have biscuits for breakfast, biscuits for lunch, biscuits for dinner. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know? where I used to live at, that's what we had. That's what my In the mom, South. Yeah, yeah. yeah, South. You know, there was yeah. pork. You had barbecue. You had collard greens. Yeah. I didn't do pig feet, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but those are, yeah, I, I, I went through that um, because I thought, you know, well, I didn't eat throughout the day. You know, if I eat this, it's not that many calories, but. I didn't take into account servings, you know, and all those things too. So yeah, yeah, and like you know, you know. That being said, you know, I'd like to kind of like point out something real quick about like binge eating because binge eating is is considered an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, you know, just like the person just simply wants to eat another helping of food. It's they feel like they can't not eat it, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's this feeling, this overwhelming feeling, and it's usually accompanied by a lot of guilt, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, it's also accompanied by like episodes of like not eating. So sometimes somebody who binge eats, and you know, I don't want to say that this was your case, and, and I'm not a therapist. This is just based on like stuff I've read when I was in college I read up a little bit on like eating disorders I wrote papers on it and as a trainer I've read up on it so I can know what's going on with people and from what I understand like a lot of times people who deal with binge eating also deal with other aspects of like eating disorders so it's like they'll not eat for like two days or something and then they'll binge eat and they'll eat three times what they would have eaten over the case of those days it's this really kind of like you know uh Ugh, like ugly kind of cycle that hops into somebody's life and you know i mean it must have been really tough dealing with that and then i got depressed afterwards because yes. then i felt bad because i'm like you're supposed to be losing weight you know why did you do that and then i would beat myself up about it and then i'll do it again and then yeah so i had to get a handle on that yeah and so you know you had told me that that was like the first step for you is that you went through some kind of counseling or something to to resolve yes. that or to work on that yes i did um i was going to have the weight loss surgery before prior to my surgery that i had in uh, 2016 and the first time i went um this the surgeon there he recommended that i seek counseling because if you don't deal with those issues where you're um, 
you know, like have issues with eating, then you having the surgery, you're going to repeat the cycle all over again, and you're going to gain the weight back. It's not going to, you're not going to learn from it if you continue to keep doing the same issues that you had problems with. Like if you get mad or upset, you eat. So um, I went to counseling, and uh, it really helped me. And when I didn't go through the surgery then, but then I did it in 2016, I had to go through counseling again. And he made it, it's mandatory with the surgeon that I went to, that you have to have um, at least four to five sessions with a licensed therapist. Really? So it almost sounds like you had a, 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 therap- uh, a doctor who's a little bit more holistic. Yeah. Um, with my surgeon, um, Dr. Schraps, he, um, I had to see a nutritionist. I had to see a therapist. Um, yeah, I had to do those two things, um, in order to even qualify to even, for him to even put me in the program to have the surgery. So, so your doctor wasn't just trying to make a buck off of you, which is sometimes I think maybe the perception that people have on things like any kind of cosmetic surgery or things like that, because there's probably, there probably are people who are like that, but that wasn't your experience. What about for you? Uh-huh. Um, you know, what were you doing? Did you want to comment on that before well, I ask part, you? Yeah, because a lot of people do think that, um, and, and, and the whole, mine is more, mine was done through the insurance company and insurance companies require that a lot of people think oh that they just don't want to spend the money the insurance companies but really the requirements that they set up for you to have the prerequisites for the surgery are important we had i had to take a psychological evaluation um i had to have i believe it was either four or five nutritionist visits and they wouldn't do the surgery until four months after i had decided to do it and i had to you know i did have to meet a bmi and i had to have what's called a um a comorbid condition a condition that would possibly be healed if i lost the weight so it it's that's another precon, uh, preconceived notion is that insurance won't pay for it because they don't believe in it and that's not true and you have to jump through these hoops but you have to be it's better for you um going to the first nutritionist visit it was like oh that's ketogenic diet i got this i can do that um and and so it's 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 one of those things that that people don't think about that it is you have to look at things holistically and um, I went to the BMI Institute here in San Antonio, and they do. They still um, were on support groups. They have the walks every week, you know, different things. You can go in and learn how to cook, and it, it's supportive. If we have questions or, you know, at the beginning of the surgery, they didn't want to answer any medical issues o- online or anything like that. But if you had, hey, I found this this mayonnaise, and it has no soy in it, and you, you know, post it to everybody and they give you their their opinions because there's a lot of things that we can't eat it now that that it helps to have that support group that network of of other people going through the same thing you know you said something that i never comorbid can you tell us and like clarify for that oh. for me and like also for my my viewers a comorbid condition means that it's some sort of diagnostic or diagnosis some a medical condition that uh, is in this case, it's something that would be alleviated. Oh, well, apnea. 
Uh, apnea would be a comorbid con condition. Type 2 diabetes is a comorbid condition. Mm -hmm. Those are different medical conditions that are adversely affected or could be bettered by losing weight. So there's something, something that will change. So a lot of people that have... A lot of our type 2 diabetics here in San Antonio are do, have it due to weight. And once you lose the weight, you become non-dependent on any of the pills or the, the insulin or anything like that. Your diet and exercise will, will keep you in line or even it may be gone. Um, apnea, sleep apnea, a lot of times has to do with weight. That's when you can't breathe when you're sleeping. You, you stop breathing. And when you lose the weight, it doesn't happen anymore. That was what mine was. I had sleep apnea. And... Um, I stop snoring. I don't. I still. I breathe fine at night. I actually sleep through the night without a problem now. So, yeah. For, for our viewers at home or listeners on the podcast, sleep apnea is really very scary because to me, you know, I I used to be in a band and I toured. And I remember that we stayed at someone's house and I. This is the first time I ever had heard of it. I didn't know what it was. The person who was there was obese, and. Uh, I remember just we all were sleeping in the same room laying on the bed and this person sounded almost like they were gasping or choking, right? This like, <gasps> like in the middle of the night and he would do it over and over and over again. And it's like, whoa, you know, and then later on somebody told me like, oh, he has sleep apnea. It's, you know, it's almost like it almost sounds like you're drowning but you're you're out of you know you're not underwater right. it's almost like the sound of it and yeah. they have to put you on a pressure machine it's the, the, the apnea machine yeah. yeah and um the CPAP machine that it pressurizes it and forces the air into you and when they told me that oh you're gonna need to get one of those I'm like nope I'm good <laughs> I'm gonna lose this weight I'm not getting because that's that to me was like that was that threshold that I didn't never I never wanted to pass. Yeah, you become dependent on a device just to be alive. That's kind of. Scary. I already have one of those. I have to wear an insulin pump, so I didn't want any more. Yeah. I mean, it's sad. Yeah, I understand. So you know, what had you tried prior to to doing the plan, and what what was your story kind of leading up to to you not doing the plan, but going with the the surgery? Well, leading up to it, I, I had actually had the binging and purging. I actually was, I was someone that, not not so much purging, but I would binge. And I would go to one extreme where I was counting, you know, 400 calories a day. I was like, okay, I can have lettuce, I can have celery, I can have, you know, two ounces of chicken, I can have the little packet of tuna, and that's it no crackers, no, you know, and I was so, I could tell you the number of calories in different meals at different places. I knew I could go to Jack in the Box and get grilled chicken and the rice and eat half of it and only have about 400 calories for that meal. And I knew all of these things. That's how bad I had gotten. And I lost a ton of weight. And then, you know, I, at that time I couldn't control things that were going on in my life. So I controlled what I put in my mouth. And then afterwards, I would... I'd, what time was this in your life? How old were you? Grace? I was about... It was about 10 years ago, so okay. it was 30, 31, 32. Okay. Um, and it also was a lot of the people that I hung out with, it was like they were the same way. They were like, you know, we're going to count these... Cal and we did. We counted them together. Um, I was just the most extreme. And then I met my husband, and I started... You know, I was happy with life, and... You know, we, I was still healthy for a while and, you know, eating. But then I just got lazy. That was what I was. I became lazy. And then 
you know, I got up to like 180 or 190, 195. I was like, well, I'm going to start doing Weight Watchers. And I gave up on Weight Watchers. I was like, oh, it's not going fast enough. And then I went to Fenergren or Fenermine, and it was like, oh, this is great. And I lasted about two and a half months, and then I couldn't take it because it made my heart feel bad. So I did the shakes, and I did the, you know, uh, only eating salad during the week and having the cheat days. I think the cheat days is the worst thing anybody could ever say on, on a lot of that, is a cheat day does not do you any good. And it never did for me because I did the exact same thing on my cheat day. I would, oh, let's go get a Big Mac and the fries. Yeah, I want it super size. Let me get an apple pie with that because it's my cheat day. I'll make it up tomorrow. And it, I didn't. And all of that work that you would put in during the wing, it just goes away. Um, I did exercise regime regimes. I had I, I had a personal trainer, and then I got hurt, and I just... It just led up to this and led up to this, and it wasn't me. Um, I went to do, the first time I went to um, have my surgery or, or talk to someone about it, I knew I wasn't ready because when they told me I couldn't have soda anymore, I was like, I'm good, bye. And I left because I wasn't going to give up my soda. So This I was for the surgery or this was just for the like, surgery? Okay, the surgery. The first time, because um, I drank diet soda all the time. I mean, I was I had a serious diet, Dr. Pepper habit. It was, like, serious. And so when they told me I couldn't have soda anymore, the first time I went to see a, a BMI doctor, I didn't want to give that up. So I knew I wasn't ready. And I was like, you know, but then I kept gaining the weight and gaining the weight. And I did ketogenics, um, which helped. I lost weight. But, again, I knew I needed something to keep me from eating. And that's all this surgery is. It's a tool. It's not the end of the world. It's not this this magic pill that's going to fix me. It's a tool. You still have to change your habits. You still have to learn. I mean, and I have my days where, I mean, the last two months, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've been eating quesadillas and breakfast tacos. I mean, on, on Fridays, I have breakfast taco Fridays. And, I mean, I still have problems. But with... The sleeve, I can't eat. I can't overeat. So at the beginning, when I did overeat and I would overdo it, it hurt. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Pavlov's dog, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it hurts. And after a up. while, I quit doing it. So now I notice that I start getting to the point and I look at what I've eaten already. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. And I'll close it or put it away because I don't want that pain. And another one of the side effects, and I know it's once you, it, I call it the pop top. Once we eat too much, food comes out, and it's not like it's not like um, with force or, or or velocity or anything like that. It just slides out of your body. It sounds kind of gross, but it's not throwing in your up. mouth. Or yeah, out of your mouth. Esophagus. It just comes. It's full of phlegm, and your stomach. I, I don't know why. I don't know the medical reason why, but. Once it gets to that point in your stomach, your stomach can't take anymore because with the gastric sleeve, you don't have the elasticity of the, the regular stomach. It's the top portion of the, where the esophagus meets the stomach. That's all that we have left. Wow. We don't have the stomach that would expand on, on someone without the surgery. Their stomach expands because it's very elastic. Yeah. But the top part doesn't. There's no movement there. So there's your with your... Um, the pleuric sphincters, the the, the mm-hmm. ending parts mm-hmm. on either end, 
if this is still closed going to your intestines where the other one is still kind of and it up. comes out it, it pops that top it's like plumbing like when plumbing gets backed up with something yeah. and at the beginning i would have to run to the bathroom you know real quickly because and my kids you know they mom are you purging like, i mean it, it becomes a joke but it, it it's, it's you know like yeah i ate too much and and people notice. So so when you say purging, are you referring to like um, like eating disorder wise or? It's no no. It's your body's purging it. Your body is like it can't physically take anymore. So that's it the purges term that they use? It, it. Well, I don't think they do. That's the one my, you my use, yeah. we use it I because understand. that's the thing that it, it. So people know that you're not sick. It's not that I'm sick and throwing up. It's that I hate too much. And now I can see myself when I start eating too much and I'm like, that hurts. So I don't do it. And that's, I think, is one of the other misconceptions is that it is a tool. We didn't do this because we knew it was going to solve everything for us. It's one of the tools along with the diet, along with getting up and actually being able to move, um, along with talking to, you know, people with the support and, and things like that. It's one of those things. It's the same thing. Phenamine is not a be all end all either. You have to, with phenamine, you have to take your, your diet seriously. So it, it, it's, that's one of the things people don't think understand. Ladies, now something that's really important is discussing the different kinds of options that you do have for weight loss. Before, before I go into that, I just kind of want to mention that one of the reasons why I chose to have you all on here is for perspective. A lot of times when people look at people who go through weight loss surgery, they don't completely understand. They think like, why don't they just stop eating? Like, you know, or like, you know, they don't understand that there's like all this, you know, sometimes, you know, there's psychological things that go about, like, you know, there's addiction, there's this addictive side of things. And just the fact that your body changes so much when you get qualified as being obese, that it can be very genetically difficult for you to lose that weight easily. It's not the same thing as having a little bit more to love, you know, and wanting to lose weight. You know, it's not the same thing when you're obese to being like a size, you know, of 16 and being upset about that. You know, it's, it's a much different, uh, challenge that is both emotional, psychological, and physical. And so, you know, that's why I have you on here because I want to kind of address that and recognize the fact that losing that amount of weight is very, very difficult. And so, you know, that being said, I think what is unclear to most people is what the hell is up with all the surgeries? Like, you know, how, what are, what are all the different options that you have for uh, weight loss surgeries? And, um, you know, can we start with Lisa? Lisa, can you tell us like, first of all, can you tell us what surgery you had? I had the gastric sleeve. Okay. All right. And so what does that mean? Um, basically they remove, uh, I think it's about 85% of your stomach and it's kind of, they say it's kind of like shaped like a banana in mm-hmm. a way, but um, as Sean said earlier, you know, it's, um, it's okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's, they remove certain parts of your stomach, so it's not, you know, you don't have the elasticity of your stomach. Um, it's a lot more restriction um, when you eat. As far as being full, you don't have that sensation like you used to have when you eat. Um, so that's part of the gastric sleeve surgery. So you have uh, less of a desire to eat? Is that what you're saying? No, it's, it's the, uh, the part where your body tells you that you're full. You don't have that sensation anymore once you have the gastric sleeve. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, and hunger. So you don't have as much hunger. Your appetite isn't as high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. All right. And then, you know, maybe Sean, you could you tell us a little bit about other another cuz earlier, you know, when we were off camera, you were telling me a little bit about like another follow-up surgery that you can have well, when you have that. When they when you go in, um you, your doctors usually will ask you which one do you want here. Well, let's explain them. You have your first one. It's that's very it's the one that can be reversed. It's the band, the gastric band, which is basically they take a band and your stomach and they wrap it around your stomach and then they tighten it so that it makes a very small closure and then your stomach ends up being about this big it, it's reversible it just helps you lose the weight and then you can eat normally later on um yeah i didn't want that because i heard all the bad thing you know food gets stuck and that you have to go in constantly and have it reinflated and adjustment the erosion uh, no the next one is the gastric sleeve where they remove um basically your stomach's shaped like this and they remove this the circular part at the bottom and you're left with the tube um is what your stomach is now um that's more invasive than the band but less invasive of the third one that that is is commonly which most people knew about in the past is the actual true bypass where they take mm. your um esophagus and they move it to where your intestines are and they connect them there you you're there basically bypassing the stomach it completely and it's gone and wow. it is your esophagus is now your stomach and you that it has its pros about you know you're gonna not have the the GERD and you and you know you won't because they've removed all this the stomach acids but your restrictions to your eating are much more I mean you can't have the sugars because then you end up with what's called dumping syndrome if you drink this eat sugar or high carbs you end up basically within 20 minutes you need to be in the bathroom because it's coming and and you can't stop it's it's like um People that have uh, gastric, I think it's gastric phoresis, the, the gastric issues mm-hmm. where they, they have a lot of those problems. So, so it's called dumping? Yeah, yeah, dumping. So, okay, so those are the major surgeries, right? And then, and then you want to pass it Dual switch. Okay, what's that? Where you have the bypass, well, you have the sleeve first. After you have the sleeve, then they revert it to the gastric bypass. Um... Then they have the balloon, mm-hmm. where they uh, they kind of they'll it's the same day um, outpatient surgery I guess you can call it and they inflate a balloon in your stomach to help you to to do the restriction part to help you um, lose weight. They can put one or two, depending on how you know how much weight you need to lose. And then they have another one. Is it a new, a, there's that new pill now that they... Yeah, they have a pill that they insert into your stomach that's supposed to help you lose weight. So it's different it things. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it expands as What well. does it do? Do you, do you know a little bit about uh, it? No, I don't know much about it because it was... It was it's new. It's, it's really yeah. new. Yeah. I saw it in, in the BMI office and I was like, yeah. It, to me, it was the same thing as the gastric band where... It's, it's not permanent, and I was looking for something that was permanent but not so invasive as the, the Y, the gastric um, true bypass, because I didn't, it, to me, the, and the side effects of it were more than what the gastric sleeve was. 
I also wanted to clarify something with the dual switch. Um, the dual switch is you start off at the sleeve and then I think they remove more of the intestines with the dual switch. So it's like, you know, it your esophagus is running to your, I think your small intestine or mm -hmm. the, it's, it's like they, they remove more of your intestines for it. And with that one, you will lose weight, but the side effects are you will be, like once you eat, you're gonna to have to go to the restroom. Yeah, because you have less distance. Yeah. The small intestine's like 20, it's really long, isn't it? Yeah. It's like 16 feet or something. I, you know, I should know this. I, I, I used to know how far it was because I did a, I used to work at the Witty Museum and I did a demo and I, I taught kids about your intestines. I cannot remember, but now it's really long. So it makes sense to me that you would have to dump mm -hmm. <laughs> like really quickly. Did you have something you wanted to say? Yeah, and-, and Sean? It, it is going to make you lose weight quicker than, of course, the gastric sleeve was. And, but it also gets you into this gaunt phase where I, I know that if you lose the weight too too quick, you're going to have um, where your muscles begin to atrophy. Your, your muscles are going to begin to deteriorate also. You're going to lose muscle mass and the weight. And yeah. when I mean, know when I thought about it and I was looking at it, I didn't want that. I mean, I already have to take now, you know, a gazillion vitamins a day, just, yeah. you know, which at first I did. And I was like, I'll be fine. And then that hit me that I was always just very lethargic and tired. And but the gastric bypass to me was something that and I guess because my BMI also wasn't as high as as some that that is more dramatic and necessary when you have the BMIs that are closer to 60, you know, 65, that, that it, you're talking, you know, five, 600 pounds, the gastric sleep, uh, the gastric bypass is where those are definite that are going to, um, be a quicker and a more sustainable loss. Yeah, that that is, uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I didn't even know that there was that kind of nuance, but, it, you know, it completely makes sense because people who undergo like rapid fat loss, uh, let's say they do some kind of crash diet, which is similar to the diets that you were talking about like earlier, uh, you know, losing like five, six pounds a week, things like that. You do like, even if you're, you're not doing a surgery or something like that, you lose your mass. And while on the surface, it might seem like, I just want to get the weight off. You know, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass because your energy is going to be low. Your hormones are going to get kind of right. a little bit messed up for a while. Uh, you're not going to feel very good and you're going to feel lethargic, tired. You know, it can lead to all sorts of problems and that's where you get the emaciated look. So some people right. who undergo like weight loss end up, do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yes. Um, there, um, there's people that I know that had the surgery and I could tell that they had it, even though they weren't open about it, but they have that their like their face have sunken in. Mm -hmm. And then I know that they're not following what the doctor told them. Like you have to be, you have to, um, take vitamins and you have to eat protein, you know, those things are going to help you, you know, with your energy, keep your body, you know, your iron level up. Um, I take B12, I take a multivitamin, I take biotin, I take iron pills, you know, just so that I don't have, you know, I'm healthy with the weight loss. I don't want to lose weight and then look unhealthy. Yes. So, um, yeah. And then it comes with, even with the surgery, you are, um, you have malabsorption. You don't absorb a lot of 
nutrients because you had this surgery. So you, you have to make sure you're eating enough to get your daily vitamins, like your daily, um, you know, protein or B12 or your, you know, calcium and all those things. You have to have that because you you lose the weight, but then you lose the muscle and then you don't have calcium or vitamin D, you know, your bones become brittle. I mean, you start going into a whole nother um, medical issue. Yeah, osteoporosis yeah. or just fatigue, chronic yeah. fatigue, and tiredness. It can be painful too. Yes. I mean, when you have that lowered vitamin D and because and, I take D, D, C, B12, my multivitamin. Um, and there's an, oh, there's one other one. But I have to take all those vitamins. And, it, and we're not talking about I can go and get, I, I, I take the Ollie ones. And I take, you know, the bottle says take two. No, we have to take four. Um, they actually have special bariatric diet, uh, excuse me, bariatric vitamins that if when you read them, they're, you know, three times the regular vitamins that you take. Because where most people will absorb the food we're not taking in as much. I've gone from, you know, a plate of food where I can get a kid's meal, Cane's kid's meal. You get a piece of bread, a small fry, and one chicken strip. Mm-hmm. And I can eat one chicken strip and some of the fries. And then I'm super full. Well, potatoes, I'm not getting, you know, the nice and all this stuff in it because no. I'm not eating a full serving. You're not eating a full serving of anything where if you think about it, your daily serving of your nutrition is supposed to come through your food for mm-hmm. the most part. Mm-hmm. And the other things are just supplementing that. We're having to supplement, you know, three times that because of we're not getting it through food anymore. Yeah, so it's almost like like supplementation is more like actual nutrition for you versus like like just the standard idea of it just supplementing what you're doing. It's like necessary right. for you. Yeah. And the things that people don't understand, I mean, to kind of yeah, 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 is that without that, and I people would always say, oh, you're going to lose your hair, your nails are going to become brittle. I did not understand the magnitude of losing my hair. Um, to the point that I was pulling chunks of hair out everywhere I go. There's like hair everywhere. I Is mean, this still the case for you right now? Um, it's a lot better, but I had to st- I had to change my whole shampoo regimen, my hair care, everything. It went from, you know, once you know, regular hair loss to, to the point of there's so much more. I increased my vitamin intake and all of that. That it just it's gonna happen. Um, the elasticity of your skin, um, people don't think about that either, um, is that it's going to be droopy. And and although you look great on the outside, you know, with the clothes on, you still stand in the mirror and you're like, oh, my skin's so... And it's not as elastic as it was before. So mm-hmm. you have to do the vitamin E. Um, what's another one? Um, nails. Your nails are super brittle. And... My nails, I mean, it'll be nothing, and they just break. Um, Still to this day right now. Right, and so, I... Not the well, same? you had two years, right? Yeah. Well, for me, for me, when I... Um, I, I kind of had the opposite effect with the hair. My hair started to grow. Like, before, my hair would not grow. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I wear a weave, and I'm... I'm not ashamed of that. <laughs> um, I don't like doing my own hair. So, but my hair is actually the length of this. Actually yeah. a little longer. It's just, I don't want to do it. But before, my hair would barely grow. And it would be like that much long. But after the mm. surgery, 
because I, I increased my protein and I, I, you know, biotin helps, you know, I, I, I shampoo my hair in biotin. I, I had to change all my shampoos because some of that was stripping nutrients from my hair, but I had to change that part, but my hair started to grow. My nails got better because before my nails would break easily they'll split they you know it's just different things will happen and then now after the surgery it's a, a, a lot better so yeah it sounds like you know you were malnourished when you were overweight or when I you were was, obese yeah. yeah because that that's a real that can be really common too is there's the myth that like oh like if you're overweight like you know what i mean you can't be anemic or you can't anemic. struggle with but if you're if you're eating like you know like what you were eating before which is like you know strictly fast food mm-hmm. your body might have well, was <laughs> missing out on certain nutrients, especially like after that surgery. So like what we're kind of talking about right now and we're segueing into is like the cons of having uh, the surgery, um, you know, any kind of surgery. Are there any other cons to having the surgery that you had? Anything that you want to say? And then we'll move into pros. Um, another con to that people don't really think about. OK, your goal is to lose weight you lose the weight, but you have to be ready to know that you're going to have loose skin. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, they don't take that into effect, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm losing the weight, I'm going to lose it. Yeah, but you have to be prepared for that. And um, there's this doctor on Instagram, Dr. V or someone, he was like, you have to look at your loose skin as a victory because you know where you came from. And now this is like your badge of honor that you've lost that you lost the weight, you know, that you're getting healthy, but there's going to be loose skin. And I'm okay with it. I don't have a problem with it. Some people, it gets really bad because if you're, if you're really extremely obese, like you're like 500 pounds and you get down to like 200, you're going to have a lot of loose skin. And then, um, and some insurance will pay to have the skin removed because you come into uh, their skin issues after that. You, you'll have sores, you'll get, you know, uh, infections or d- different issues that come up. So you have to get that extra skin removed. Um, but when you begin to start losing weight, that's when you have to start working out to keep, you know, toned. Yeah. Because if you don't, I, I did it backwards. I just I lost the weight. And then started working out. Yes, so, that's when you reach out so to me. So then I have a lot of loose skin on my arms, you know, and around my midsection. So um, it's best that you, once you start transition to losing weight, you start some type of workout. Even if you're sitting on the couch and lifting, you know, a, a dumbbell or something, just do something to help, you know, keep you toned for when you start um, losing weight and then you have loose skin. So, Okay, so yes, that's something that, you know, I guess some people don't even realize. What What's another con that you'd like to share? Or have we kind of covered all of them? Did you want to share one, Sean? I think one of the bigger ones is not taking into consideration how much it's going to change your psyche also. I mean, we always talk about physical and things like that. Your psyche is something that when when you're spend so much time being invisible and then all of a sudden you know people pay attention that kind of messes with your head a little bit it also in in your relationships if if you're not sure 
about people around you um, if they're very negative about it. I mean, I was like, you know, my husband and um, my children, they were very, very positive. Um, but I know some people that when they did it, it at the end afterwards, um, the changes that they made for this positive change ended up costing them relationships because the other person couldn't handle how this was changing them. So yeah. it's something that you have to you have to take in consideration. Um, another thing is is I wasn't I wasn't expecting because again I'm type one diabetic. I wasn't expecting a lot of the the diet issues to change. Um, you know, I knew I was going to need less insulin, but it ended up causing a lot more of the problems where with um, being hospitalized, um, and and I went way too overboard. So it was like I'm going to do this now, and I'm going to lose all this weight, and I'm I'm going to mm. stop eating, and and I, I fell into old habits by being so restrictive because I was not going to let this fail. I didn't want to be one of those people that because you can stretch your stomach back out. You can you can with you know over the course of three or four years, if you continue to your eating habits afterwards and start eating full plates again, you're going to stretch. I mean, it's still um, tissue. It, it's still that that tissue that that it's just not as elastic and it's painful but people can do that and I have vowed that I'm not going to be that person so I became restrictive and I was eating not enough carbs to sustain my need with my insulin balance and things like that so you really have to keep in touch with your doctors and things yeah yeah it's something that, that people don't take into consideration is the relationships anytime that you make a and i'm glad that you brought it up anytime that you make a lifestyle change that could be a change in your career it could be uh you know starting to do fitness it could be anything your relationships you know change and it really shows who is closest to you and who's the most willing to listen to you and listen to your own personal goals and who's not you know it, it shows up really quickly that's definitely something like we have a weight loss group here and something that we pre-warn people, you know, even just like the simple task of like being like, Hey, I want to start working out sometimes makes you or alienates you from people who aren't interested in working out. You know, it's those changes uh, that kind of happen, whether it's a criticism, whether it's dealing with somebody who's being a hater about your life, you know, oftentimes just, you know, either somebody's own personal insecurity or somebody's inability to listen to you. And uh, I'd say that it's probably a little bit of both of those, you know, along with you know, some of the cons, we're flipping this, we're going with cons and we're going with pros. You know, something that really stuck out to me when myself and the ladies were here earlier before the interview talking was that you could potentially like risk your life. So you could potentially die if I guess the follow-up to the surgery isn't done correctly. So, you know, Lisa, did you want to share that with us? Like a little bit about what that means, uh, why that would happen? Um, First, every surgery has its risk. When you sign the consent forms, they tell you that there's a possibility something can happen mm -hmm. that um, you can potentially um, die, and that's with any surgery. But the risk becomes greater um, after surgery is when, if people don't follow what the doctor um, have told them about, you know, whether you have lap band or gastric sleeve or bypass or any of those surgeries, um, it can potentially ca cause harm to your body that you can't that it can be fatal. Um, 
my coworkers I worked with before um, at a previous job, she had a friend that lost her life to it because she didn't listen. She she drank um, alcohol uh, a lot. She continued to have those um, those bad habits of of eating anything, and you can't just eat anything and eat so much of it. And she didn't follow up on care. She just oh I got it, and then she she passed away. Um, so this is a friend of yours who had this. It experience? was a friend of my coworker. Yeah, she uh, she's actually just lost two friends, but that um, but they had the lap band. Um, with the lap band, it's a lot of there's a lot of risk with that because yeah. there's slippage, um, there's um, damage to the stomach that can happen, uh, erosion, all those different things. You, you become septic, you know, and those issues. I mean, there's issues with gastric sleeve because, you know, when they um, do the surgery, there could be potential leakage, but, you know, they check for that, you know, after surgery, they make sure there's no leakage or anything. So as in leakage, you mean like food draining into other parts of your body that it shouldn't? Is that like, what you mean? Um, gastric leakage. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Like the juices that are inside of your, mm -hmm. your stomach. Okay. So there's, you know, there's potential risk with it. So that's why they need to know a thorough history, um, any medical issues that you have, um, those types of things. And it's really important to follow. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I didn't do everything to the T of what he told me because, you know, realistically, <laughs> we're adults, you know. Yeah. I, I'm going to have my biscuit. <laughs> but I'm not going to do anything that would jeopardize my my life. And you have to keep that in mind you have to take your vitamins you have to be on top of those things because you don't want to you know things get out of whack and lead to other medical issues that could potentially become fatal so yeah that's that's really tough to hear i did not realize i mean you know i recognize that with like any surgery you can have that but i didn't know that that could potentially be that bad you know um that that could cause you know it could be a life or death situation so you know the next thing that I wanted to touch base on was we were discussing a little bit about doctors. So, you know, in the media, you know, we hear like, you know, there are good doctors, there are bad doctors, things like that. Um, what would you like, to, would you ladies like to share about that? What should people know about that topic? I would say you should um, do your research on your surgeon. Um, don't just pick any person. I mean, I thoroughly checked my surgeon. I wanted to see if he had any malpractice issues. Has anyone died? You know, does he follow with his patients? I read uh, reviews. You know, how many surgeries have you done? Those types of things. How long has he been a surgeon? Um, those type of things. Um, because when you start, I mean, it's your life. And you want to make sure that you protect your life, and you don't want just any and anybody doing surgery. Um, those people who go out of the country to have surgeries, um, I mean, there are some good doctors, but you have to be very careful with that um, because some people have surgeries. I've seen it in my group online that they went out of country, and then they, when they came back, they were rushed to the hospital. Mm -hmm. They were giving medication they shouldn't had. Um, they were bleeding, you know. They um, they just had the surgery and put them on the plane. I mean, you have to really know that 
this person has your best interests at heart. They're not just trying to make a buck. So you have to thoroughly search and research your search. And I think another part of it too is that when you're, if you feel uncomfortable um, about what they're asking you, because like I had mentioned before, there's comorbid conditions and mm -hmm. things that have to be met for the insurance. Um, the the other thing about the first place that I had gone to was they were trying to make me fit into them. I didn't quite fit the, the BMI and I didn't, I mean, I had type one diabetes, like I had said, mm -hmm. but they're pushing, well, have you ever had acid reflux? And well, no, you know, maybe when I was pregnant or something, oh, if you've ever had it, you, you'll qualify. And I mean, coming from my background, I know that you can't there are people that, that doctor's offices that kind of fudge the details um, to make the medical records meet what they're supposed to, to get the approval, to get the money. And that, that also is another thing besides the soda that kind of like, I'm not going to go to somebody that's going to make me go do this other procedure. They wanted me to get what's called an uh, EGD where they send a camera down um, the, uh, a camera down your throat to see if there's any damage from, from gastric uh, juices coming up. And, I know that I didn't have heartburn. I never had heartburn. I never had any type of that acid reflux before. So that was another thing with that doctor that I turned me off by him. But when I went to the uh, where I did go to the inst the BMI what I went to, they had that whole thing. They had a diabetic educator. They had. Um, nutritionist and they didn't have just a nutritionist that's in the office and sits there you know behind their little glass door and hands out pamphlets they had a nutritionist that if I had a question I could message her on Facebook and say hey I want to eat this what do you think and she would contact you back it wasn't something that she was behind you know bunches of front desk people at the, at the clinic that wouldn't talk to you they would call they would get involved um, when they had the classes, she would bring out these books and, and like, look, check out this. This is the recipes that are great. This is where you can use other things. So it's somewhere that you feel comfortable to. Um, and I didn't feel like just a number. And when I wanted to talk to the doctor, if I had a question, well, they've answered questions for us where they've gone on and, and answered questions in the group. And it, it's phenomenal. And that's you want something like that. You don't want something where, OK, thanks. We see, we'll see you in six months. Uh, okay, well, well, you know, we got your money. So you want somebody who's, like, actually there for you and a medical practitioner who really actually cares. And it sounds like, you know, you had a good one, like, almost right from the get-go. And it sounds like you had a little bit of a scare, but you had that insight to not go with that person. So someone, if you go in somewhere and you feel like you're being sold something instead of being encouraged to take care of your health, you know, that should be a big red flag you know it's not like going and getting your nails done or buying a pair of sunglasses like we're talking about your life you know so it was when i went to it was like the the people that call and tell you that you want a trip to the caribbean they want you to go visit their timeshare that's how oh, that type of, that's how they i mean seriously because i had called um i saw the commercial on tv about you know bariatric surgery so i called them and they, oh, well, we'll get you in. And I got the text and I got the, here's your appointment. We have your appointment with Kimber. And it was, it really was like that. And when That's I went scary. in there, they're like, well, we'll send you over here because you don't quite meet gastric for these reasons, but you can meet it over here. And I'm like, That's not how medical works. Either you meet the criteria and you're good to go and it'll help you, or you don't. 
If you don't, you don't need to go dig around in my insurance and find a different benefit that will cover it because that's how you can get me sold. You need to have that integrity to tell me that, you know what, you're not ready for this because your body is not at the point that it will actually do you good. Because if it was, if B, if your minimum BMI of 35 was not an, a requirement, or it is a requirement, if that wasn't important enough to be there, it wouldn't be a requirement. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't, um, you really shouldn't get the surgery if your BMI is lower than 35 because... It'll cause you to lose too much. I really was on the lower end because mine was 38. And, and, and so I was on the lower end of the BMI spectrum, but I had the comorbid, you know, the other conditions that were causing me to not lose weight. Um, so I had the, the slower metabolism due to, you know, thyroid and due to this and that and the other. So I liked food. I mean, that mine was never a relation. Mine was a relationship with food. I am from the South. We yeah, love yeah, our smothered everything. And I just I had planned lunch at breakfast and dinner at lunch. I understand. I, so I know. It's the biscuits and gravy biscuit, and all the, the, the fixings. So, you know, we're, we're getting a little close to the end of our podcast. You know, I'd, I'd like to know a little bit about... Like, how do you personally feel about, like, the pros of the surgery? Lisa, like, what are the pros for you of doing the surgery? Um, the pros for me... And we just said we have to be a little bit quick now. Okay. Yeah. The pros for me was um, I was no longer pre-diabetic. Um, my health began to get better. Um, I'm able to be more active. Um, I've lost the weight. I can tie my shoes. I can do different things that I couldn't do before. Yeah. And I have more confidence now than I had before. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, would you do it again? I would. I would. It was hard at first, that first two weeks of not eating, only having clear liquids. But I would do it again because the benefits outweigh the cons or the pro the yeah the cons of it and it was something that i needed that actually my life benefited it saved my life in a way so yeah yeah so yeah i did yeah because I mean, when you're obese it definitely would be the case yeah and i have heart issues in my family kidney issues diabetics you know different things and i was almost there mm -hmm. so. yeah and now you're working out with us here and yes, getting I'm toned out. yeah all sorts of stuff like so it's really cool all right and then for you sean uh you know what are the pros for you the pros are definitely that i feel better i feel so much better about myself and i can i can look my kids and know that i'll be there um, my grandbabies i can you know i'm there with them and and i know that i can do more now um i'm actually you know out walking and doing exercises with my husband and things that keep me active i i can bend over and tie my shoes I, i'm not losing my breath just walking up my stairs yeah i mean and i knew i needed the change and this surgery was something that was going to help me because i was having a hard time sticking with um restrictive diets because of how restrictive they were where now i have to do it but i can still kind of color outside the lines a little bit so and i would do it over again and i would recommend anybody that's considering it talk to your family i would definitely say that mm -hmm. yeah I, you know you know for our viewers at home you know with someone having this kind of surgery 
what I want to urge you to realize is that this is a big decision for them to go under the knife and to have something change in them. It's not just, you know, this quick fix. There's so much follow-up that you have to do and so much that you really need to take into consideration when you're working with a with the right doctor, when you're when you're working with the right doctor to make sure that you're staying healthy. And, you know, not everybody can lose weight in a traditional way. Not everybody has that path. And, you know, I would say that we're lucky to live in a time right now or that you know, where we do have that as being an option for fixing this problem, then it can arise in some people's life. Obesity is something that's, you know, on the rise in America. And for some people, it just seems like it's outside of that person's reach, whether it's emotionally, physically, or genetically, I don't think I'm going to be able to lose 400 pounds very easily. And in those cases, people who are obese like that stand to have a better chance if they go about having the surgery. At least that's based on what I'm hearing from these ladies and what I've done, uh, you know, my own personal research. I'm going to post a link in the description for this video from a podcast that uh, Ira Glass did uh, from This American Life where he talks about this, you know, obesity thing. And, you know, just to kind of let you all know that it's not just a matter of like, just stop eating the pizza and the cheeseburgers. It's a matter of, your whole life, how you feel, and whether or not your body's even going to let you lose that weight effectively. You know, it's it's much more challenging than anybody could ever imagine. So thank you so much for sharing your stories with us today. Yeah, thank you. And ladies, I am just going to really quick ask you a few rapid fire questions. This is just something that we do that's kind of fun at the end of each episode of our podcast. Just like to, for people to kind of get to know you. Okay, so I'm just going to ask you a question. Maybe you can pass it back and forth and I'm just going to make up questions uh is it okay if they're food related is that okay yeah it's okay okay all right cool all right so what is your favorite carb go it can be healthy or unhealthy doesn't have to oh be. no it's totally uh, actually it's um the tiramisu cake from heb is the most absolute favorite because it's got sugar it has that coffee flavor it mm, yeah I'm going to have to try it out. I like tiramisu. All right. Go. For me, they don't have this restaurant here, but in North Carolina, they have um, Bojangles, and uh -huh. I love their cheddar bow biscuits. Ah, oh, southern so food. Good. Yeah, southern food, soul food. Yeah, yeah. soul food. Yeah. I worked at a soul food restaurant when I was younger, so yeah. I, oof, so good. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Favorite form of physical activity? I think, for me, I like doing squats. Oh, you like, you say it's your favorite movement. Yeah, you like doing squats. Yeah, you can get at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't have one, it's okay. You can just say, I don't like exercising. I don't. It can be going for a walk. It can be anything. It could be gardening. It doesn't I, have to be a traditional gym thing. It could be walking with your kids, going for a bike ride, walking the dog, anything. I have loved running before, but now I'm at that age where it's, you know, and when I got so big, it was not good for me, so... I wish that I could run again. That was, but walking, I guess, would be good. That's okay. So you like going for a little walk, yeah. All right. Uh, what do you order when you go to Starbucks? Well, as of today, the ma the macchiato with the coconut milk and hazelnut cream it was really good. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to try it out. For me, I guess it'd be. Um, I like the caramel macchiato. Caramel macchiato. Yeah. Do you get it with all the fixings, or do you go with like what? What do you get? No, be honest. Be I want you to be as honest as possible. Good, I cut something up, but no, I get it with all the fixings. Okay, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. All right, ladies, this will be the end of the Total Body Training Podcast. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your story with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Until next time, peace.